You're listening to the Be Red Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Hackman and Giancarlo Campos. I'm Ryan Hackman and joining me is Giancarlo Campos. Before we get started, the NBA lost a legend in Kobe Bryant on Sunday afternoon. Kobe's legacy has extended beyond the basketball court and has inspired so many who play in today's NBA. Former Chicago Bull Scottie Pippen shared his thoughts about one of professional basketball's greatest. Looking back at Kobe in 1996, um, I was in the prime of my career and had an opportunity to watch a young man's career for 20 years, to watch him blossom season after season, to rise to the top, to be able to take the the torch and really carry our league uh, for 20 years. And, um, you know, Kobe was a special player because we we watched him come out of high school as a very raw, um, charismatic player. And he developed into, in my eye, one of the greatest players that I've ever watched on a basketball court. In addition to the outpouring of emotion and the outpouring of support to the Bryant family, former Bull and teammate of Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan had this to say. I am in shock over the tragic news of Kobe's and Gianna's passing. Words can't describe the pain I'm feeling. I loved Kobe. He was like a little brother to me. We used to talk often, and I will miss those conversations very much. He was a fierce competitor, one of the greats of the game, and a creative force. Kobe was also an amazing dad who loved his family deeply and took great pride in his daughter's love of the game of basketball. Yvette joins me in sending my deepest condolences to Vanessa, the Lakers organization, and basketball fans around the world. TMZ first reported this news around early afternoon Central Time, late morning Pacific Time. And when I saw this on social media, I was glued to it until I can hear the story was confirmed one way or the other. How about you? Yeah, same thing. You know, uh, I saw it on my phone. I saw it on Twitter, you know, like I see most news stories these days. Broke on Twitter. TMZ reported it. Um, You know, you could say what you want about TMZ, but, uh, you know, they they break some stories. Um, That being said, just to reflect on Kobe a bit. Gosh, what can you say, you know? What can you say, you know? It's just to take a step back. You know, as we get older, we just lose more and more of our heroes. And and I, I'm, it's not to say that he's my hero because Jordan was my hero. You know, this is a Bulls podcast. I grew up watching the Bulls. I grew up watching Jordan. And in a lot of ways, I kind of despised Kobe growing up because he was trying to be like Jordan. And I just knew he, no one is ever going to be Jordan. And, you know, I had that mindset. But as he got older and I got older, I started to appreciate just how much he cared for the game and his competitive drive and the way he carried himself. And, you know, it's just a complicated guy um, with with really complicated issues that follow him. You know, he can't kill one said, you know, the whole Colorado thing that occurred is part of his narrative. And we can't just bury that. You know, it's part of who he was. And you felt like. Like, he, the, the card he was dealt, you know, he, he was dealt all daughters, you know? And, you know, you felt like like a part of him was motivated to be twice the man after that, that error he committed, you know? And and I wanted to see what he was going to do after he, you know, after he finished playing. You know, in retirement, I just felt like he was going to be twice the man. And, and people thought that he was could become a billionaire eventually down the road. 
and I can only describe him as Mr. Clutch. How many shots did he make that won the game for the Lakers or gave the lead to, for the Lakers oh, yeah. that eventually won them? Oh, yeah. He won five championships. Five championships. You know, and they said that he couldn't do it without Shaq. Yes. And he did. I, me too. I, he did. And you know he felt good about that. Oh, yeah. And he, he left, uh, Shaquille O'Neal left the Lakers in 2004, and I didn't think he, the Lakers were going to win a championship for another f- years to come while it was just Kobe in Los Angeles, but he found a way. He found a way, despite the Achilles injury he had later in his career, he kept fighting, and he was a fierce competitor. And regardless of whether you are a Kobe fan or Jordan fan as we are, you have to appreciate what he brought to the table night in and night out. His will to win. Tomorrow's Lakers-Clippers game at the Staples Center has been postponed. And we all know that Kobe will be looking down and saying the show must go on. And the show will go on here on the Be Red podcast. I am on Twitter at J23Kicks1. What is your Twitter handle? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at KingJ underscore 89. On today's show, we will be talking about Zach Levine's season by the numbers and beyond. We'll also be talking about three questions facing the Bulls as a trade deadline nears. Finally, we'll talk about potential changes in the offseason and whether it is in the front office and or the roster. Zach Levine has had a career season when it comes to points per game, averaging over 25 a game. Looking at the prism of the All-Star game, do you fear that he'll be one of those All-Star snubs that seem to happen every single year? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's just a product of the NBA these days. I think it's just a really guard-heavy league. Uh, gone are the days of the big man. And as a result, the guys that uh, get the shaft, unfortunately, are the guards. Uh, if we're being real for a second, just to give you some numbers, in the last month, Zach Levine's averaging 29 points a game, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. Those two steals, which, by the way, is what uh, people were crapping on him about all you know throughout the past, that he doesn't play enough defense, he always gets torched. Well, yeah, he doesn't play elite defense, but it's improved. And the steals are there to show you. Uh, he's one of uh, the better steal guys in the league. He's definitely not one of the better defenders yet, but he's been working on his craft, and the defense has been improving. And for some guys, it takes a while to go from being a bad defender to an elite defender. On Thursday, we will find out whether Levine makes the All-Star team or not. And I think this reflects the fact that you go back to the 90s and early 2000s, the game was much more physical, and there was less scoring. You saw a lot more 88-87 games back in those days. Thus, the NBA thought that the best way to bring out fans is to increase scoring, and thus they're instructing referees to call fouls and as a result, less physicality means more scoring, and more scoring means raising the bar to making the All-Star game. And I will submit to you that if Levine were playing in the 90s and early 2000s and putting up the numbers he is today, he would not only be in the All-Star game, but he'd likely be a starter. What say you? Uh, he might be. You know, he might be. And, and just to discuss those starters really quickly, um, some of the teams, some of the guys that are starting in the West, you got Luca, Harden, James, 
uh, LeBron James, that is, uh, Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard. And then in the East, the starters are Kemba Walker, Trey Young, Giannis, uh, Siakam, and Embiid. Trey Young is lighting up the league. Yeah, he, he is on is. fire. He definitely is. Um, I probably wouldn't have taken Trey Young as a starter. He definitely deserves to be on the team. I probably would have gone elsewhere with that vote. Um, I feel like Jimmy Butler deserved that. Um, but again, that's probably the homer in me. Um, but he's willed that team to 30 wins already. And Trey's team is a losing team. So, you know, if we're talking all-stars here, you're going to give, you know, if everything is, you know, 50-50, you're going to give that, that, that scale tip over to the winning team. And that's kind of where I would have gone. Now, we heard news the other day that Larry Markinen is out four to six weeks with a pelvis injury. And this means that the increasing load that Levine has had to take on his shoulder is going to even get bigger. Yep. Do you fear that with this being the case that it's going to lead to eventually a tire, a tire being tired or becoming in, in more slumps? Because... Hey, you know, I, like, real quick, a little little uh, pat on my back. Last time we did the pod, uh, I had mentioned some of these uh, injuries that might occur for the Bulls to continue the tanking. And lo and behold, look who gets hurt. They're playing in a slump. And, oh, you know, a pelvis injury. Oh, okay. Just saying, you know. Uh, you know, the Bulls have a way of, of, of throwing some uh, of these phony injuries once in a while. And it might be a real injury, but... You know, some of these players sometimes stay out a little bit longer than usual, and sometimes it's to help the tank, because I definitely think the Bulls see the writing on the wall, and I definitely think it's going to be tank mode pretty soon on this Bulls team. Looking at some of the stats beyond, Levine is playing around 34 minutes a game, and the conundrum that the team is in is that they need him to, to score, but they also need him to rest. But if they put him on the bench for an extended period of time, the Bulls may be in a, will be in a situation where they are just not able to compete because they don't have, have many, anything else. They, they don't. Ha- yeah, they're they're definitely empty when it comes to scoring. They're in the bottom five when it comes to scoring in the entire NBA, and the load is going to even get bigger on Levine. And I just fear that there's going to come a time where you just start struggling, and just he's getting those games where you see the the numbers downward trend, yep. and it happened last year. Yeah, it happened last year where he was on fire in the beginning of the year, and then at the end of the year he ran out of gas. And honestly, that falls on on Boylan. Uh, Boylan's got to manage the minutes, and you know Levine is going up to him and saying, "Nope, you got to let me play as much as I can so I can make that All Star team." Uh, but you know, ultimately it falls on Boylan, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if after the All Star break they start giving Levine some days off. Just mark my words. I think that's what they're going to have to do because it just. They he is single handedly willed them to win as many games as they have. And and we'll talk about this later, but they've won only one game against a team with a five hundred or better record. Just real quick one. Real quick on Levine. Last game he dropped forty four, yes. ten and eight. The game before that twenty one points. The game before that twenty five, twenty four, forty two, twenty three, thirty, thirty, forty three. Insane stat lines the guy's putting up. Insane. Yes. And his three point shooting has been through the roof. Yeah. You know, he's closer just, to 40%. Yeah. He's, yeah. On the season, he's shooting 39%. And, the, and he, and it's about five percentage points higher than the team is. Yeah. Yeah. And he's had four games where he scored 40 or more points. The Bulls are going to need a few more of those to win some more games as they have 18 right now and looking to eclipse. 
last year's total of 22. Last thing about Levine. The Bulls, according to TeamRankings.com, the Bulls are in the bottom five in attempted free throws at 21 a game. Do you think Levine's going to need to focus on getting to free throw line more often, or do you think he's going to have to continue to go with the three-pointer because the Bulls are very weak on both sides? Uh, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, I don't think it's through the fault of Levine that they don't shoot enough free throws. I think it's all the other players. And if, if we're calling a spade a spade here, the real conversation we should be having is Laurie Markkinen. And I know we'll get into it in a moment, but... He's the guy that's supposed to be taking on some of those attempted free throws and, and, and drawing you know more fouls and getting to the line. And honestly, it's Zach on his own. He's carrying the team on his back. He has nobody else really shouldering the load. So we can't ask Zach to really do much more than what he's done. Um, it's it's all the other secondary and you know tertiary players that we need to expect more out of. Do one. Just just real quick to wrap up on Levine. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? You think he makes the the All Star team? Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to make the All-Star team just because, well, he plays on a bad team. Yes, other All-Stars play on a on bad teams such as Trey Young, but just I, I just think that it reflects to the, if you're going to make an All-Star team on a, be on a bad team, you have to put numbers up there off the walls. And he's doing very well, don't get me wrong, but if you were averaging somewhere Closer to 30 points, I think he'd get in. But if I had to predict, I would say n- no at this same. point. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I don't think he makes it. I just don't think he gets he gets in before Ben Simmons does. He's definitely not getting in before Jimmy Butler does. Um, maybe he beats out Kyle Lowry, but probably not because Lowry's, you know, killing. He's got 20, He's averaging 20 points, 7.5 rebounds. I'm sorry, 20 points, 7.5 assists, and 4.5 rebounds a game. Um, I, I just don't think he makes it, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because I think he's going to get snubbed, but I think, you know, that's just the way the cookie's going to crumble. Moving on with the Bulls, as the trade deadline approaches, which is Thursday, February 6th, let me ask you a couple questions facing the team. Do you think that Chris Dunn or Denzel Valentine will bring any trade value no. in return? No. Why? Nope. Uh, maybe Chris Dunn, but I don't think the Bulls want to move on from him. I think they've been pleasantly surprised with what he's offered. Especially in defense. I think Tomas Sadoransky gets dealt. You think he gets traded? Yeah, I think that's my dark horse name that gets dealt. I also think Thaddeus Young gets dealt. I think that's a lot closer to happening. Um, and I think Denzel might get dealt. Now, I don't think all those guys get dealt because that's just not the way the NBA works. you know. But those are the names that I think are being thrown out there. Um, I just think that those this Bulls team, and, and specifically Boylan, has soured on Denzel. He just goes out there, and if he makes one of those floating layups, a little floater, uh, he automatically is in heat check mode. You could tell. So just pay attention to him. Uh, you could see it. Um, and I don't think Boylan likes it. Plus, he doesn't play any defense, and you know Boylan does not like that at all. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, uh, Thaddeus Young, Tomas Adaransky, or Denzel Valentine are gone. Now, between... Dunn and Valentine. Which one of the two do you think is most likely to be traded? I, I can the think of is probably Valentine. Yeah, probably Valentine. Yeah, probably Valentine, I would say. I, I just think that, uh, you know, in a pinch, if Sadoransky gets dealt, you have nothing at point guard except for Dunn. So, you know, that's just what I think they would do. And 
it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulls re-signed Dunn, to be honest with you. Not to be a starter, but to be in the role that he's in right now, where he's, you know, that first point guard off the bench, and you could plug him in in the two guard and, and have him play defense. And you answered one of my other questions I was going to ask about whether Thaddeus Young is a lock to be traded. With Laurie Markinen being out four to six weeks, as long as he's a bull, Young is going to continue to play, and he's probably going to be in the starting lineup a little more often. Do you think the likelihood of him being traded is still the same right now before the marketing injury versus? Uh, you know, I think before the marketing injury, I didn't think there was any way he would get traded. And after the marketing injury, I think it's an opportunity to showcase him and give him bigger minutes because I know this is the least amount of minutes he's ever played in his career uh, since he was a rookie. So I think they'll get to actually showcase him a bit. And there'll be some teams calling. There'll be some contenders that want, you know, that uh, multifaceted wing that can play really great defense, you know, disrupt passing lanes, hit an occasional three-pointer, and just, you know, come into a locker room and not ruin the chemistry. He actually brings a lot to a team. And I don't think he would cost a team a lot, to be honest with you. And he can help a contending team in the playoffs in a supporting role. He, he's mostly a bench I want to bring up a name and run it by you. What do you think about Thaddeus Young for Maurice Harkless? You know, that's an interesting name. I'm not the biggest Mo Harkless guy. He's a solid player, uh, rotational guy. Eh, not as good as Thad Young, but, you know, probably a notch below. Uh, you know, it's an interesting name, and I know why why that's, that rumor has been uh, bandied about. It's essentially because... Um, Thad Young's making $13.5 million this year, and then he makes $13 million next year, so the Bulls have him for two years. And if the Bulls trade him to the Clippers, they have to make the salaries match. The Clippers would be interested as they're a contending team, and Thad Young fits that kind of mold where it's a defense-first kind of mentality. And he could definitely play some minutes when, you know, Kawhi's out or Paul's out, you know, however they want to do it. But from a salary perspective, Thad Young's $13.5 million this year, 13 next year, and Mo Harkless is going to be making 11 this year on an expiring deal. So essentially, the numbers work, and the Bulls come out from an extra year of Thad Young, and they can use that $13 million elsewhere. So I like it from that standpoint. Not so much from the player acquisition, but you're not making the trade to acquire the player. You're making it to, to shed salary. And obviously, we know the Bulls are not in a run for the playoffs right now. It's just a run for to play for pride for next season and to build upon what hopefully is progress towards the 2020-2021 season. Perhaps the top question facing the Bulls right now, what direction is Garth Pax headed in? Oh, I think they're you know almost out the door. Uh, I want to say I heard it on Cap and Company, which is a ESPN 1000 show here in Chicago. Um, and, and to quote what he said, uh, and this is what he said on, on air, and he tweeted this as well. Uh, he said, in quote, from what I hear, and I still have good friends that work in the league, the Bulls are readying a plan to overhaul everything in basketball operations. So if you do see some, some salary dump trades, I think that's so that they can make this job more enticing and be able to present the job to the next GM and say, hey, we have a team with some young building blocks. We have another lottery pick because this team's not going to make the playoffs if we're nope. being real. They're going to have another lottery pick, and they're going to come to them and say, hey, and we have you know, 20-something million dollars to play with. 
go out and get a good player. And plus, the team is just so dysfunctional, especially just the perception from outside, and I talk about this quite often, is that major free agents are not willing to sign here in Chicago. And I hope that plan, this is part of the plan to change perception from the outside because this is the franchise of Jordan, but yeah. this is sure not looking like the franchise of Jordan 20 years later. You know, it's 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 crazy. Um, it's unfortunate that the Kobe news happened because in a lot of ways, I was looking forward to All-Star Weekend here in Chicago as an opportunity for the Bulls organization to pitch the city and to pitch the organization to show that they can handle, you know, the big time. They can handle the spotlight. And, you know, it's going to be shadowed by the Kobe news, unfortunately. Um, hopefully the Bulls get an opportunity to do it right. And hopefully it can sway some of these upcoming free agents. Continuing on potential changes, do you see Jim Boylan out after this season? Yeah, and no doubt about it. There's no way they can bring him back. There's just no way. And if they get rid of the management team, there's no way Boylan survives it. So, um, you know, there's there's some interesting names out there. Let me throw one at you. How do you feel about Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson, that's a very interesting name. He coached the Warriors before the Warriors became the team that they were mm-hmm. after he left. That is absolutely a potential one. Let me give you another one. Okay. One that I love, and I know you're going to like it. How do you feel about Tom Thibodeau? Tom Thibodeau. Do you think he would have come back? I don't under think so. New management. I don't think so. And to me, part of the reason why he eventually got let go is because the perception was that he was just too he overworked his players. And obviously I just I just think that the perception out there is he overworked his players and that's I'm not sure that's gonna necessarily sell well mm-hmm. with the team, even with a new management mm-hmm. GM in, in you basketball know, operations present. I'm familiar with a little bit of the inner workings, and I know Jerry Reinsdorf released that uh, memo after they fired uh, Thibodeau, who didn't even really mention him by name, and it came off kind of like a slap in the face to Thibodeau. So I don't think necessarily the hire of Thibodeau would happen, and it's not because of the GMs, but it has more to do with uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. I don't think he's a fan of Thibodeau. I got one more name for you, and yes. I'm not sure how familiar you are with this person, but I'll throw it out there. And it, it's a hot name that everyone's been thinking about for the longest, and you know this person's been discussed for years and years and years. And I think it's time for this person to get a chance. Uh, how do you feel about Becky Hammond? That would be a great choice. Yeah, a woman head coach. I think that's it's more than it's definitely going to happen soon where we have a woman head coach in the National Basketball Association. That would be, I'm not sure if she would be in Chicago. Maybe she would fit in maybe a smaller market because Chicago is the third biggest market in the country. And she's with the San Antonio Spurs right now under one of the greatest, Greg Popovich. And I think she would need to build her way up through a smaller market and eventually get to that bigger one because some I, I, I've noticed this with athletes in general who come from other cities as superstars and we think they're going to light it up and they come to Chicago and they, and they just lay an egg. Being, playing in Chicago, whether as a player or a coach, it is a different animal than going down to a city such as Memphis or Atlanta. Yep. And I just don't see her 
as the next head coach of the Bulls, I definitely think that there's going to be a woman head coach in the NBA in the not-too-distant future. Whether it's Becky Hammond or not, we don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, she's going to coach a team. I like your point about putting her in a, unfortunately, in a smaller market. But it wouldn't surprise me if a team takes a, a shot on her, a team like the Knicks. Just keep in mind. Now, if you had to predict who will be the next Bulls head coach, it's very early. But if you had a crystal ball, who is that man or woman to be the next head coach? I would say, oh, that's a great question. You know, probably uh, there's some names out there that I've heard that that would interest me. Um, if you had a crystal ball and could predict who the Bulls are going to hire as their new head coach, who would that person be? Oh, great question, great question. Um, man, you know, I'm not sure. It depends who the new GMs of the Bulls are going to be because. I think it falls on that. Um, if I had to make a decision, I probably would say, I don't know, maybe Dave Yeager probably would do it, um, you know, formerly of the Kings. That kind of makes sense. Um, a few other names I've heard. Um, I know it's kind of a quick ascension, but it wouldn't surprise me if Chicago boy Jawan Howard, you know, yep. came back. Yep. Um, you know, he he's led that Michigan team to mm-hmm. a nice little turnaround. Yep. Now, they're not the best team, but, you know, they look good and, you know, People are rumbling that he's a good head coach, X's and O's. So, you know that wouldn't surprise me. How about you? Who do you think? It could be one of. I could definitely see a Jawan Howard. He was not one of those superstars in his day, but he was one of those guys that. The benefit of being not being a superstar is you get to see a bigger perspective of the game, and that isn't just in one sport. That can extend to all sports because typically this. The, the conventional wisdom is that superstars are not the best head coaches, Agreed. such as if Michael Jordan became yeah. the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow. They'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah, well, just because he he made it look so easy in, in players like Jawan Howard. Were, you got a name by chance? A guy? I could see David Fisdale. Yeah, he, he okay, coached, that's a good one. The Knicks, but even though the they Knicks have, have enough talent. The Knicks have been in a perpetual rebuild for a while. That That's what kind of makes me hesitate about a Fisdale. Okay, I got one more name for you out of this uh, potential head coaching lotto. Would you bring uh, Jason Kidd in? Jason Kidd, I don't think, I wouldn't go with that. I think he's, well, he's assistant coach with the Lakers right now. He was, he's one of those players that, again, was a superstar. He was an assist man in his day and one of the top assist men in his time. And I just, Think that he's one of those players that's not necessarily the mold, not in, in line with a guy like Michael Jordan, but I, I'm not sure he would make a great head coach. It's one thing to be an assistant coach, but advancing up to coach is a different animal. And I, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure about Jason Kidd right now. I think he was really good at at. Um developing players i thought his development and his help of developing Giannis shows i think he was a major key in 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 definitely helping Giannis develop um and the growth of that young bucks team i think he just didn't he was just terrible defensively and he butted heads with a lot of the players i know there was reports of him and jabari parker butting heads but definitely an interesting name what do you think one last what do you think about dave 
David Blatt. David Blatt's interesting. Um, you know, I'm just not. I don't think this Bulls team is ready for a guy like David Blatt. I think it's a young team, and I think Blatt's more uh, of a coach for a veteran team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. And I just think that as long as Reinsdorf is, he's basically, he's running almost running the show. Not as much Jerry, but his son, Michael. I just think that the team is not going to really take a leap upwards as long as Jerry Reinsdorf has some control over the team. I just yeah, call me the, the pessimist no, in no. chief, but I'm I just don't think that. You. I'm in the same boat as you, and, and you know what's crazy, and one of the reasons why I think we're hearing these rumblings from guys like Cap uh, about the Bulls making changes is because if you look around on the Bulls games, just look at the lower bowl, there are empty seats everywhere. Empty seats everywhere. And it's just not a common trend for Bulls teams. Since the Jordan era, the Bulls have been top three in attendance nearly yes. every year. And even until 2017, granted they had better teams, but in the long run, they need to attract more free agents to be successful. I got a name for you. Okay. How about Fred Van Vliet? That's the a good pro- one. The pride of Rockford. A yes. point guard is what this team needs, and they might have enough salary cap to bring them in. Well, that'll do it for us today. For Ryan Hackman, my name is Giancarlo Campos. Catch us next time on Episode 3 on the B-Red Podcast. Kobe Bryant forever.